I want you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. And while you're opening your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, if you'll continue to play softly if you don't mind. Um, while you're opening your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, I just want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to say, you look good today, but not as good as me. How many of y'all are, I just want to, I can't, I can't get to this yet. How many of y'all are, are just head over heels in love with Jesus Christ? I love him. I don't know about you, but I'm happy in the house today. I'm happy. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. Somebody needs to testify. The world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. Smile. Smile. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. I want to, this is going to be a lengthy verse of scripture today. I'm going to read the Christmas story. This is uh, popularly, you know, mainly commonly referred to as the Christmas story. And it's going to be 20 verses of scripture. Can you handle this today? 20 verses of scripture. I always tell my people, uh, you stand for the reading of God's word, I'll let you sit down and then we'll you know, I'll stand up for the rest of the service while you're seated. But Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went, somebody say all. All went to be registered, everyone everyone in his own city and Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary his betrothed wife who was with child so it was that while they were there the days were completed for her to be delivered she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In verse 8. Now there were in the same country, somebody say same country, same country, shepherds living out in the fields. How many of y'all feel like that sometime? Living out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid then the angel said to them don't be afraid for behold I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people somebody say all people all people there it is again all people for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord I want you to focus on that. Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And I love the shepherd's response to this. And this is what we're going to be focusing a lot on today is the shepherd's response. So it was... When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste. They were in a hurry. There was, there was some kind of, there was rush to this. And they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And now when they had seen him, they made known widely, widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned. I love this verse. Then the shepherds returned glorifying, praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it 
was told them. Today I'm excited. I'm going to bring you a Christmas at Forward message. I titled this message, Messiah and Master. Messiah and Master. Will you pray with me? God, I come before you one more time. And I praise you for who you are. I thank you for this word that you've downloaded into my spirit this week. And I just pray, God, let every single word that comes out of my mouth be ordained by you. Nothing more, nothing less. Let us be not just hearers of your word, but doers, God. And I pray, accomplish exceedingly abundant, above and beyond anything that we could ever ask or imagine in this house today. God, not let a single person leave here the same way we walked in. And I'll give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Fist bump two or three people and say, get ready. And you can be seated. You know, this is actual history and real events taking place in this scripture right here. A lot of times when we read the Christmas story, you know, we um, fall into this category of fairy tale land because we we're we're living in the day and the hour of once upon a time once upon a time and we tell these stories like they're once upon a time stories like they're some kind of fairy tale story but can I tell you these this is an actual real event that we're reading about in the scripture a lot of times we as even Christians, even believers, we can take characters in the Bible because we call them, what, Bible characters. And we think, well, these aren't really real people. These are just characters in some sort of play or some sort of fairy tale story. But I want us to really focus on the fact this morning that this is a real event that took place. These, this is real history recorded in the Bible right here in Luke chapter 2. Look at your neighbor and say, this really happened. Do you believe it? Do you believe this really happened? If you believe this really happened, allow me to set the scene of what Luke describes those days. Because if this really happened, then these days were actually days recorded in history and we can study these, we can find these days recorded even outside of the Bible. And let me set the scene for you. There was a political ruler by the name of Caesar Augustus. This was in 27 BC, and he arranged for the Roman Senate to give him the title Augustus. Augustus was not his name, it was a title. Caesar Augustus was his title. Now, this is very significant. Why is this significant? Because this means, this Augustus title means respected one. It means exalted. It means sacred. So here you have Rome, and Rome is no longer a republic in this moment, in this time in history. It's no longer governed by laws, but now Rome is an empire governed by an emperor. Now you no longer have Rome as this this. Um, republic that's governed by a specific set of laws and a senate and all of these things, but now you have one emperor residing over an empire. And this says something important about the world in these days. Somebody say these days. This says something very important about the world when Jesus was born. It was a world hungry for a savior. This was a world that was hungry for a savior, but this was a world that was living in the reign of a quote-unquote political savior. I told Pastor Brandon, pray for me today because I don't know if I'm going to get into politics today or not. People don't like it when you get into politics from behind the pulpit. But this was a world that was living under the reign of a political savior, Caesar Augustus. But can I tell you that wasn't enough? Y'all are a tough crowd this morning. Amen or oh me. I'm Pentecostal and I get nervous when it's quiet. Can I tell you that just having a political savior wasn't enough? And today, can I tell you that's the shape that the world is in today. The, sh the world is, is looking to politics to be our savior. If we get the, the right political 
actual person in the right political position, then the church is going to be saved. Then God's people is going to reign supreme. Can I tell you it's not a political savior that the world needs today, but it's a it's, it's a spiritual Savior. It's a Savior of our soul, and his name is Jesus. I'm just going to leave that right there. As Caesar sat in his palace, he made his decree. Some of y'all got mad when I was preaching that. Let me go back to my sermon that I preached two months ago or three months ago. Don't get mad. Praise God. And as Caesar sat in his palace, he made his decree. He thought he was supreme. He thought he was supreme. He thought, let me flex my political muscles. He was going to exercise his will over the people. But can I tell you, he was just a tool in God's hand. God had promised that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Referring to Micah chapter 5 verse 2. And can I tell you that if God promised it, it was going to be fulfilled. So the question begs, or, or this is the question, how does one get a young couple from Nazareth down to Bethlehem when they might not even be inclined to travel? You have this young lady who is with child. And can I tell you that she probably, the last thing she wanted to do is, is pack up everything and make this journey to Bethlehem. So how does one get this young couple to travel from Nazareth down to Bethlehem? Simple. Just work through the quote-unquote political savior of the world and use him as a pawn in your plan. Can I tell you that while the world is in an uproar right now and all of these, all what seems to be like chaos is, is boiling around us and the, and the very ground is crumbling beneath our feet and everybody's in an uproar about this and that and times are so uncertain. Can I just reassure somebody in God's house this morning? God's working all things together. God's working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So you've got to rest assured today. The church is called. The church loves him. And can I tell you, God has never lost a battle. And God can use whoever he wants to use, ever how he wants to use them, to accomplish his plan and his purpose. At the end of it, I, I can't get past this. I, I, Y'all saw me, saw me just go back to my notes, but I can't get past this yet. I want you to know God's plan and God's purpose is going to come to pass. His ultimate plan, his ultimate, God's not worried God's not sitting on his throne today, twiddling his thumbs, shaking his leg with sweat beads running down his brow. God is in supreme control of the universe. He and can I just preach for a moment? It's like I see a church today that acts like they don't know that God's in control. And I can't get past this point. I see a church full of anxiousness. I see a church that's full of depression. I see a people that's full of, of heaviness and, and clouds are over them. But I just want to bring good news to somebody today. Lord, have mercy. God and his plan is going to come to pass. So you had this quote-unquote political ruler who's flexing his muscles and can you just imagine a decree going out? If you, if you made a decree and everybody in the land followed that, whatever you said. I don't know about you, but this guy probably got the big head. He's like, check me out. Look what I just did. And he's sitting on his political throne in his political palace and he's thinking he is supreme. He's the Mac Daddy. 
He's all that and a bag of chips. What I say goes. And I could go a lot of different directions right there. And I could make a lot of different people really uncomfortable in the house today. But here's what I want to go. i got to lay this foundation because we're going somewhere. At the other end of the spectrum, the Bible says in that same country, in that same place, there were shepherds. See, Bethlehem's shepherds were known to care for the temple flock. Don't miss this. These men protected and cared for the lambs used in temple sacrifice. These shepherds were watching over lambs that ultimately their destiny was temple sacrifice. Slain on the altar of the temple. These shepherds were watching this flock of lambs that was destined for the altar. And an angel of the Lord stood among them, and this angel interrupted this quiet night. And this shining presence of an angel shone around these shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around these shepherds. And and this first angel brought good tidings, the good news, the gospel. Literally, it means they preached the gospel to these shepherds. The good news was preached to shepherds, to these shepherds who were regarded as social outcasts. You had, on one hand, Caesar Augustus, who thought he reigned supreme, flexing his political strong muscles. And then on the other hand, you had shepherds in the field who were social outcasts of their time. And the angel, God sent this angel to preach the gospel Not to the one who thought he had all of his stuff together. Not to the one who thought he he was all that in a bag of tater chips. Come on. Not someone who who was all this puffed up in pride. But to the ones who was social outcast. Who said, I have no place to lay my head. I have nothing. I'm roaming in the field I'm, live, I'm literally living in the field. And that's who God sent the angel to proclaim the gospel to. Now think about this. Here's what the angel said. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. They announced the birth of a Savior. Which was and is exactly the need of mankind. A savior is what mankind needs today. We don't need another advisor. We don't need a reformer. We don't need a committee. But we need a savior. The world is, 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 is in need of really a lot of things today, but the biggest need today is a Savior. And I've, I think it's so significant that the angel said to you this day in the city of David, a Savior is born. What does that word Savior mean? I'm not, I don't want to harp too much on this, but I want to talk about a Savior for just a, a, a second. A Savior is one who saves by delivering, Preserving, healing, or providing. Delivering. I could preach my, I could, I could just use that and make my outline today. People need deliverance. People need preserving. People need healing. People need provision. There's a four-part outline right there. Come on, somebody. And I just want to just real quick tell you, if you need deliverance today, there's a Savior. If you need preserving today, there's a Savior. If you need healing today, there is a Savior. If you need provision today, there is a Savior. For there is born to you in this day in the city of David a Savior. But can I tell you that message has been preached. And you've heard that. And many of you know that. But I want to focus on the other two words. In the city of David, a Savior Who is what? Christ the Lord. And here's where this title comes into play. Christ is English for the Greek Christos, meaning anointed one. Meaning Jesus is the anointed one of God. The Hebrew word is Messiah. 
So in the Old Testament, they were used to hearing this term. The Jewish people were used to hearing this term, Messiah in the Hebrew. A Messiah is going to come. A Messiah is going to come. And this Messiah, it still means anointed one. This was commonly used for this. This was commonly used for kings and priests in the Old Testament when they would they would anoint kings. They would anoint priests, and they had a certain view about these kings and these priests. Think about David in the Old Testament. David was was an anointed king, meaning he was victorious in battle. He. He, when he went to battle, can I tell you, you, you didn't want to go up against this man by the name of David. Can I tell you, he was a man to be reckoned with. And so when they were thinking about this Messiah, they were thinking, well, Jesus is coming. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one. And he's going to come, and he's going to make battle with this Roman Empire. He's going to overthrow them, and guess what? We're going to win. And they were looking still for a political savior. Do you see Christ or Messiah referred to Jesus' role? Well, Pastor, is he king or is he priest? Can I tell you, he's both. He's king and he is priest. Can I tell you, we have a high priest today who we confessed our sins to, and he's not in an earthly box. He's in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and for me. Don't get offended at me. It's the Bible, okay? See, here's the thing. The Messiah, the anointed one, both king and priest, prophet, everything modeled in this one man named Jesus Christ. But something was much different about this king and priest, though. Jesus tried to instill this in their minds, but for some reason, even throughout the ministry of Jesus, people had a hard time receiving this revelation about Jesus. He tried to instill in their minds the prospect that the road to his future glory was bound to run by the way of the cross. With his experience of rejection, suffering, and humiliation. And it left them sort of bum-fuzzled. Because when they hear the anointed one that was prophesied in the Old Testament, and, and, and when they just hear the word Messiah, when they hear the anointed one, all they picture is all of these kings and rulers and people who are, who are, uh, who are coming to be victorious and to be puffed up and to be all of this and all of that. And Jesus is preaching this message to them, and he's trying to tell them, when I come, here's what I'm going to do. My ultimate glory is going to be I'm going to the cross. I'm going to be humiliated. I'm going to be rejected. As a matter of fact, I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to die. And it was so foreign for them to understand why their Messiah had to experience humiliation, rejection, and suffering. And at the time of the trial, Jesus stood before these Jewish judges. I know I'm skipping ahead in, in the events a whole long. But Matthew 26, 63 through 66 is where we find this scripture reference. And Jesus once more reinterpreted the title Messiah. And gave it a content in terms of the son of man figure found in Daniel chapter 7. And this confession when he said, he said, I am that. I am the Messiah. I am the son of man. I am the son of God. And this confession secured his condemnation. And he went to the cross as a crucified Messiah because the Jewish leaders failed to perceive the nature of his Messiahship as Jesus understood it. Pastor, why are you saying all this? Because so many times people misunderstand Jesus. It didn't just happen back then in those days. Not just the Jewish people, not just the Roman Empire. All of these people misunderstood the Messiah. And even today, we've got people who 
misunderstand, I need to calm down a little bit to, to drive this home the way it needs to, because if not, I get pretty passionate about these things. People misunderstand the Messiah. People misunderstand who he really is and what he really is accomplishing in your life. Pilate sentenced him as a messianic pretender who claimed, according to the false charges that was brought up against Jesus, to be a rival to Caesar. Because this same, this same um, position, if you will, as Caesar, who is setting over the Roman Empire, saw Jesus as a rival who came to overthrow him And guess what? This guy didn't want to lose his position. He didn't want to lose his power. He didn't want to lose everything that he had because he thought he was supreme. But because Jesus is not only Christ, he's Lord too, this guy felt intimidated by him. See, the angels not only announced that Jesus is coming as Messiah and Jesus is is coming to, to go to the cross to make the payment for your sins Not only is he going to suffer and die, but he's going to be Lord as well. See, he's not just Messiah coming as the anointed one, but he's also Lord. And Lord is the term that refers to the one who has power and authority. All power and all authority. Get this, because Lord actually means master. Master. Jesus is my Messiah, and he is my master. He is the one. Master means supreme. Master means that he reigns supreme over all. Master means that everything, everywhere, and every person falls under his authority. Meaning everything. Every person. And they felt intimidated by this, this, this Messiah, this Lord, the master, the one having disposition of men or property so all the land, all the people of that land would be under the power and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. With this in mind, think about this. This message, this gospel was being presented to the shepherds. Unto you, in this day, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. When they heard this message and when they thought about this message, they only had one response. They only had one, they they had no other choice but to respond the way they did. And can I tell you, it's the same way that we should respond today. And I want you to hear this today because if Jesus is Savior, if Jesus really is Messiah, and if Jesus really is Master of your life, this is how you should respond. Every single one of these, listen. Number one, the shepherd said, let us now go. Let us now go. This shows a genuine urgency. They didn't hesitate. Can I tell you that all I see today is I, I, see a, I see a lot of people when I look around that's just hesitating. I see a lot of people hesitating. One of these days, Pastor, I'm going to make up my mind. One of these days, I'm going to go all in. One of these days, I'm really going to serve Jesus with all my heart. One of these days, you know what? The shepherds did not hesitate. For some reason, they felt an urgency, and that reason was because there was a Savior, there was a a Messiah, and there was a Master who only had one reasonable response. Don't delay, but I need to go see this thing that was told us. Barclay says this, It is a lovely thought that the shepherds who looked after the temple lambs We're the first to see the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. These shepherds went to see this thing that was told to them. The shepherds went to see Jesus. And I think it's so appropriate that these shepherds were the first one to witness this Messiah 
who ultimately in his glory would his glory would be displayed on the cross as as the lamb of god who removes the sin who takes away the sin of the world these shepherds were looking after the temple flock who for years and years these lambs were slain on the altar of the temple to just cover up the sin for a season and time but all of a sudden now they were beholding This baby in a manger, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Son of God, who's not this come as this political ruler or this political savior, but the one who's going to remove the sin of the world as the anointed one, the chosen one, the spotless Lamb of God. Can I tell you so, obviously you're appropriate response to the Messiah today is that you encounter him. You encounter Jesus Christ in your life without hesitation. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Can I tell you, you're not promised tomorrow. One of these days, Pastor, I'll go all in. I've got other things. You know, quick little illustration. This is for free. This is not in my notes. Do I have time? Yeah, I got time. You know, right now, we're sort of embarrassed to invite people over to our house. Why? Because our backyard is a mess. Because we have a pool contractor that's taking over a year to complete a pool. It's a little funny, and then again, it's not. (laughs) We have a big mound of dirt, you know, anyway. And we're, we keep saying, you know, we can't invite people over right now. One of these days when we get it all cleaned up, when we get it all looking nice, when we, you know, get all, that's what we do. When we get it all looking good, when we look good, then we'll really start going to church faithfully. Then, we'll, then I'll really start serving then I'll really, then, then I can host a small group. Then I'll go through next steps. Then I'll be a member. Then I'll do this. Then I'll really serve God with all of my heart and love him with all of my heart and give him all of my heart and give him everything. But right now, I've got to get my act together and I've got to get looking good before I, can I tell you, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Because here's the thing, the only one who has the power to clean you up, the only one who has the power to really remove your sin, not just cover it up. You know, we all have that junk room at our house. You know, you, you know don't act like you're more saved than me, come on. We all have that junk room in our house. When guests come over, we just throw everything in that room. We lock the door. And when we're giving everybody the tour of our house, we just don't go in that room. That's off limits. And many of you, that's what you're doing in your walk with Jesus. You're telling Jesus, this room in my life is off limits. That's why you're cold to him. That's why you're not experiencing the fullness that he has in store for you. That's why you can come to church and, and when everyone else is in intimate worship with him, you fail to even, your heart to even recognize that he's in the room is because you've shut the door to your heart. And it's not that he doesn't want to come in, it's that you are refusing to let him in. But the shepherd said, let us now. Go, meaning there's got to be an open door. There's got to be an appropriate response. Either he's Messiah who takes away the sin of the world or you are your own Messiah who's trying to clean up your own life, clean up your own mess and telling Jesus, no, I don't really need you. And, and, and listen, There's really no in-between either because if you're trying to live this in-between life, can I tell you it's miserable? Can I tell you it's miserable? Believe me, I tried it, hence the bald head today. It will stress you out trying to be this person, 
trying to be that person, trying to, to live this way and live this way and do fall in love with Jesus. Number two, what did the shepherds do? You see, because when you encounter Jesus and you open up the heart, the door of your heart to him, and you say, come in, have all of me, clean me up, have your way with me. There's only, there's only this. Number two, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. The combination of the angelic announcement and the sign of the child in a feeding trough. I mean, it was common, listen, it was common to see babies wrapped in swaddling clothes. We still see that today. But you don't see a baby in a feeding trough every single day, do you? So if I've got angels coming to announce to me that the Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this is how you're going to find him, you're going to find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a feeding trough. And then I go and I see a baby lying in a feeding trough. That's it. It's obvious. This is true. He is who he says he is. So therefore, I have no other appropriate response other than to tell the whole world about the good news that was told to me. And I'm getting a little excited right now because one of the tactics of the enemy is to keep your mouth shut. The Bible says we're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And listen to me, I don't believe that that just applies to you. You want the JLT, the Justin Living Translation? We're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I believe when you testify, other people are made overcomers as well, not just you. And the reason why the world is full of people who are not overcoming is because we don't have people who's testifying. Woo! Because if he's Messiah who removes your sin, he's also Lord as well, who is supreme over your life, who is master over your life, who your life don't belong to you. Your life belongs to him. And not only are you called to encounter him, not only are you called to go see him, you know, we like to, we like to schedule visits with Jesus. Jesus is on a visitation schedule. Jesus, let me see when I can fit you in my calendar. No. He is Christ the Lord, not Christ or Lord. He's not one or the other. He's both. He's Messiah and he's Master, meaning he's supreme. He's Lord over all. He's Lord over my life, everything in my life. Oh, I'm about, I, got, I can preach about a lot right here if y'all want me to. Y'all want me to? See, he's Lord over my possessions. He's Lord over my finances. He's Lord over my children. He's Lord over my marriage. He's master over everything that I have because everything I have don't belong to me. It belongs to him because he reigns supreme. Everything, every property, every person falls under the lordship of Jesus. It's not my stuff, it's his stuff. He's just letting me use it for a while. And so I have no other appropriate response other than to tell everybody. Make widely known. Guys, I don't know if you've heard about Jesus or not, but let me tell you. And listen, you might have misunderstood because there's a lot of people today, you say Jesus, they're going to shut you off. You know why? Because they misunderstand who he is. Because they've had quote unquote church people misrepresent Jesus and tell them if you want to see Jesus you know and they try to paint this picture of this of this what rod what was some of the terminology you was using like this this hippie love this, uh, man, I don't know, what, what's another word you was using? Well, I don't know, all these, uh, you know, people want to paint this picture of hippie Jesus. People want to paint this picture of, of, I don't know, their Jesus. You know, but I'm going to tell you, people misunderstand Jesus. I want us to make widely known the real Jesus. The real Jesus, who is master Lord over all, 
He's Lord over your circumstances today. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get down here. I'm going to get down here, and i got about five minutes, and then we're going to stand up, and then somebody's going to be delivered, set free, healed, transformed. I believe that the Master is in the house today in the person of the Holy Spirit and he is not only Lord over your life but listen to me he's Lord over your circumstances he's Lord over your marriage he's Lord over your finances he's Lord over your children even that one who, who you think has no hope that one who thinks I'm, oh I feel this in the deep down in my spirit the one who's, who has come out of the closet and told you that they are uh, a homosexual living a gay lifestyle who you think they have have no hope and you just don't know what to do with he is lord over them can i tell you he has why is he lord because he has authority he has authority he reigns victorious he was messiah when he went to the cross he was messiah when he bled for me he was messiah when he died for me he's messiah when he saves me but now i come under his lordship and he's not just my messiah but he's my master who reigns supreme over every circumstance i feel this in my spirit today because we live like we don't have a master who is in complete control. We live like, man, this, that, that our world is just crumbling beneath our feet. And guess what? I hear you, God. It's because some of our feet is not found on the rock of Jesus Christ. Man, we watched episode one, season three, episode one of The Chosen last night. I'm tore up from the floor up. Oh, Lord. Jesus, preaching a sermon, he said, uh, if you build your house on the sand and when the wind comes and the storm comes and the wind blows, your house is going to fall. Some of you, you've experienced that. And listen, I'm not trying to sound condemning. You know why? Because I've experienced that. I'm not standing up here preaching something to you that I hadn't experienced myself. But the thing about it is there's been times in my life where I've built my life on, on, on the things of this world. Oh, if I can just get a title. Oh, if I can just, you know, look like I've got my act together. If I can just, if I can just fool my parents. Come on, somebody. If I can just fool my preacher. If I can just fool my, my Sunday school teacher. If I, can just, if I can just look the part. then I'll just be okay. Jesus said that life is like sand. And when the waters come, the sand washes out right beneath your feet. But seek first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness. When you build your house upon the rock, the storm comes and the winds blow. But your house stands strong. And you're not swayed. Because not only do you have a Savior who is Messiah, you have a Savior who is Lord over your life, who reigns supreme over every circumstance in your life. Holy, holy, holy God. Come on to the keyboard. Because not only... Not only did the shepherds go without hesitation, not only did they make widely known this thing, which by the way, when they make widely known, here's one of the tactics of the enemy. The, 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 the Bible says that when they made widely known this saying which was told to them, the people were amazed. They were astonished. They were blown. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if you understand this or not, but so I wanna, I wanna, and I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to minimize your intelligence in this room today, but here's the thing, because the enemy will tell you that people don't want to hear what you've got to say. But really, in, in, in all honesty, and I know that Jesus has, in Christianity, and people misused him and, and misrepresented him, but in actuality, people are actually hungry to be delivered. People are actually hungry for, for an answer, for something that's real. Something that's true, not religion. 
that tells them to follow a set of rules, but, but a Jesus that can deliver them. A Messiah who can save them. A master who is Lord over all. And listen, this is, this is what amazes me the most. Because you think that's it. You think that's it. You think, well, the shepherds didn't hesitate. They, they went with haste to see Jesus. Which, by the way, some of you need to come with haste in just a few moments. When we make this altar call. Not only did they encounter Jesus when they went to see him, and not only did they make widely known, not only did they testify, but guess what they also did? It says they returned, glorifying and praising God. I believe it's that last scripture. Michael, do you mind throwing that last scripture? I believe it's the, my last scripture that I read. Verse 20, I believe. Verse 20. And the shepherds returned. Meaning they, they went back to their flocks. They went back to their job. They went back to the shrimp boat. They went back to the factory. They went back to the school. They went back to the shipyard. They went back to Amazon Distribution Center. They went back to bus driving. They, they went back to Whatever, fill in the blank. They returned, but they still, even after they returned, they was glorifying and praising God for all the things they seen and heard. This goes along with what I said earlier. Don't just make Jesus an appointment in your calendar. Don't just make Jesus an appointment that when you come and you come to church on Sunday, that that's Jesus' time. Wednesday night, that's Jesus' time. Which, by the way, we're not having church Wednesday night. First Saturday prayer, that's Jesus' time. Small groups, that's Jesus' time. No, when you return to the field, when you return to the workplace, when you return to your office, when you return, it's Jesus' time. When you lay down in your bed at night, it's Jesus' time. When you rise up in the morning, it's Jesus' time. When you get a bill in your mailbox, it's Jesus' time. When you get a diagnosis that seems like it's the end of the world, it's Jesus' time. When something don't go your way, it's Jesus' time. When you get the check in the mail, it's Jesus' time. When you get the good report from the doctor, it's Jesus' time. Because Jesus is worthy of that response. That's the only appropriate way to respond to a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He's Messiah and He's Master. Amen. Will you stand? The altar call is very simple today, and I'm not going to drag this out because this is the most important moment in the service. Some of you are tuning out right now because I've asked you to stand. I need you to tune in. I, this, is, this is for par. And you've got a 10-yard you've got a putt, and I need you to dial in right now. Dial it in. I watched the PNC Championship golf thing yesterday, so that's why I'm making that reference right now. Tiger dialed it in every time he got up. Now's not the time to just tune out. It's the time to focus even more. Now's the time to ask yourself this question. Because of what pastor preached today, am I going to respond appropriately? What's my appropriate risk? Ask yourself right now. If you're not really asking yourself these things, then I'm thankful you come to church today, but I'm asking, do you really want an experience with God today? Or did you just come to church? I'm thankful you came, or did you just come to church just to say, I went to church this Christmas? 
Because God desires to do something so much more in your life than you just, you just check in that checkbox and say, I went to church this Christmas. Because this pastor really desires for you to come back next Sunday. To come back January the 1st and, and, to, and to be here the first Sunday of vision casting and sign up for next step. Go all in. Not some kind of religious thing, but because you're giving him all. And he's Messiah and he's master. So it's really simple today. I want you to ask yourself this question. Do you need a savior? Number one, do you need a savior? Who is Messiah? Do you need your sins removed? Is there a part of you that you've shut the door you said, Jesus, you can have this part of me, but you're not getting into this door. It's time to open up that door today. Dim the lights, if y'all don't mind. Let's set the atmosphere. It's time to dim. It's, it's time to open up that door today. And it's time to let Jesus in that part of your heart. Listen to me. All that junk that you think you've got hid today. Here's what the enemy told me. The enemy told me as long as I had the door shut, I had it hid. And I might have had it hid from my parents. I might have had it hid from my pastor. I might have had it hid even from, even from my spouse. But I didn't, I didn't have it hid from God. He sees it. And guess what? His love for you is still the same. All he's waiting on you to do is open up the door and let him in. So maybe you need a Messiah today. But also, listen, maybe you need a Savior who's Messiah and Lord, Christ the Lord. Maybe you need a master today. Maybe there's circumstances in your life where you feel like these circumstances are beyond me. They're above me. I know someone who is above those circumstances today. I know someone who is supreme over all today. He's master over all. And thank God if you've received Him as your Savior, your Messiah. But maybe you need to make a commitment today and say, God, not only are you my Savior, not only are you my Messiah, but God, today I'm making a decision and you are my master. From this day forward, I'm no longer master of my life. This world is no longer master of my life. But from this day forward, God, you are my master. Every head bowed, every eye closed, right here, right now. God, I love you.